This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good evening. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by former United player Lee Lawrence to talk over the, the week at the club. How are you doing, Lee? You're all right? I'm OK, mate. I'm uh, a nice week again this week. Uh... Not as busy as usual, so it's been a, a little bit more productive around the house and things like that. So, yeah, it's been a, a little bit more quiet, but a little bit easier on the body this week. Yeah, temperature plummet as well. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, no Phil with us tonight, unfortunately. He's had a bit of a family emergency, so um, we're thinking of him. Hope you're all right, Phil. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments and questions in. If you're watching the replay, Say hello and comment. We do still reply to the re- uh, the comments that we get on the replay. And if you're listening on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe if you don't already and leave a review on the platform you're listening on, we would very much appreciate that. Also, if you're watching on Twitter, I'm still trying to get my head around streaming live through Twitter. But if you are watching live through Twitter, there are a few of you apparently on there. Um, comment under the tweet, and I'll I'll try and get as many as I can when we um, when we're live on the show. Um, all right. So first up, Lee, we did talk about Jaden Sancho last week and the tweet and everything, but that's sort of rumbled on a little bit. Um, according to several reports, like the Athletic, and I don't have any reason to doubt the Athletic. So reporting is always good, um, or usually very strong. They've um, Sancho and Tenag had a meeting. Sancho has refused to apologize. Um, he took the, the tweet down from Twitter, didn't apologize though, and he's been um, sort of banished to um, play with the reserve team or the youth team. Um, I don't know how, how true that is, but what is true is that the club issued a statement about it, you know, that there's been a disciplinary issue and that he's, you know, effectively available for selection. In the meantime, another club statement. Um, what well, what do you make of it? I mean, if if it's true, if the reporting is true, and he, he you know he did take it down, but he's refused to apologise. Do you think that it's the right thing that Ten Hag has done that just to sort of say, well, until you do apologise? And obviously, I know we're going to be talking about things that are speculation. I know we're going to be talking about the things that are in the press and and have been speculated about Jaden's 
know, turning up late and mental health issues and everything. But going on what we do, what we do know, do you think that Snaug's taken the right approach? Uh, it's, it's a right strange one for me <laughs> with Sancho because, like I say, we, we only got half a story about why he, he went, you know, training away on his own for, you know, for a period of time. We led to believe, obviously, it was down to mental health issues, but we didn't get, the, you know, the overall picture. Um, obviously, when when he come back and, and you seen the pictures when he, you know, he was making basically his second debut after he'd come back from from his time away, uh, Ten Hag looked over the moon that he was back uh, and he was really pleased and really happy that he was back. Um, but I watched the, the the interview today with Ten Hag um, and he, he's literally said he, he's, he got asked to do a job when he comes to Man United and it was to change the ethos of the club and the ethos of the way the players are. Um, and I think last year we, we met me and Phil, we, we go mad about it all the time because obviously we... 20 odd years ago, we was we was in that position trying to break into the first team, and you know, the, under Sir Alex Ferguson, there was a certain way of doing things um, that sadly over the years has got lost since Sir Alex Ferguson has gone. Which again, we've mentioned numerous times, the young lads at the club now get paid a, a hell of a sum of money before they've even made it. I don't think it does them any favours. Um, so the, the attitude needed to change within the club, and Ten Hag certainly has come in and 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 done that to a degree. If you look at what happened with. Fine example, he's got rid of one of our biggest legends at the club, Vinaldo, um, which was a big, big, big call for him to make. Um, he dropped Rashford when he was in big form because he missed a, he was a bit late for an interview. So he, he's not been scared of making big decisions. Um, and it's probably what the club has needed, a little bit more discipline putting into it. Um, so on, if you look on, on, on that scale of things, I kind of I kind of can get it and see why, why he's doing it. Um, he doesn't want one player thinking he's bigger than the club. And especially... Say for example, if his his attitude's wrong in training, or you know, you've got to be on it twenty four seven. He's got he's, he's kind of got the mentality. Of what it reminds me of is when Sir Alex Ferguson's there, which is great. But when you flip reverse that, he's got to probably earn that reputation and you know off the players too. Um, so it's a sticky one. It's a sticky one. I think if if, if I was Jaden, this is just my my personal opinion. I'd have took it on the chin. Uh, and I would have gone back into training and I would have said, right, OK, I'm not training hard enough, I'm not doing this. I'll show you I'm good enough to get into that team, you know what I mean? And um, that's the way I'd have done it. Um, unfortunately, I think that, that attitude is few and far between now with footballers. Um, yeah. I think the other thing with Jalen too, he's probably, he's probably disappointed um, in himself and his own form. You know, he's, he's come over with a reputation over from, uh, from Bayern Munich where he was outstanding. Um and he's come over with a big price tag, and he's 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 obviously he's not hit the ground running for whatever reason. He's probably disappointed in himself, and then the manager starts giving him a little bit of not stick, but probably some home truths, uh, and he's not liked it. But um, like like Ben saying, there the team comes first, and I totally agree with that. If you've got to work on hard on the pitch and also hard off the pitch for not just yourself but for your teammates in the club, and if he's not doing that, then yeah, I think it's a fair a fair, a fair way. Of Trying to sort him out. Yeah. Um. The the sort of like well, the flip side of that is that you mentioned Ronaldo. Ronaldo is obviously the greatest example of um the club back in Tenor, which I think is a really good thing. I think that's the best thing. And anyone who has followed anything that I've been talking about, rumbling about for the last decade, has probably picked up on on that being a big. Thing, uh, a reason why I think United have stalled so many times or where they've, they've progressed and then they've taken two steps back is because the manager hasn't been backed in critical moments. There have been these kind of incidents. Um, 
I do wonder, and it's only I'm only wondering at the point of conversation uh, for us to have something to talk about. Not that we don't have plenty to talk about, Lee, but it's just something that I thought about is that this is the upteenth time that we've seen something like this. I mean, the Ronaldo thing is a great example, but he walked in the door and he had he had a Ronaldo issue as soon as he walked in with the preseason stuff. He Garnacho, he had a spell of the team. Um, people seem to forget that, and he was only brought in just before the the World Cup break and and did did well. Um, but then there are you know there's Maguire. Maguire was club captain and he dropped him quite early on, which is a massive thing to do. Um, obviously, then Ronaldo, um, the Rashford thing that you you've already mentioned there, the Greenwood thing he's had Greenwood, to deal with. Yeah, there's Greenwood on top of that too, isn't there? You know, Anthony, uh, that we don't quite know the resolution to yet. And and now this, and, and there are probably other things as well, um, things I'm not even thinking of, you know, the Martial incident, you know, the fact that he's had to keep bringing him back in when it's obvious that, you know, it's time to move on. And, you know, Van der Beek, you know, that's another political thing that, you know, uh, another club that might be the big issue, you know, the other players, you know, McTominay, keeping him on when other clubs were looking to, to bring him in. Um so Dean Anderson, even Dean Anderson, you know, like there was a big sort of thorn in the side where the way that he was talking for a long time. All these kind of things that Tenor got to deal with. And, and the, the more pressing ones like Maguire, like Ronaldo, like Rashford, like Greenwood, like Sancho, are public facing ones, the ones that he's having to talk about all the time. He's having to take a stern line on. And, you know, all right, I think it's great. Like I'm not I'm not questioning the club. Backing him, because I think that's the right thing to do in every situation. I just think today's you mentioned you were in inferring or talking about you know the modern footballer of today and the way that you know they are the different composition to what the players were 20 years ago, even 20 years ago. When you guys were compared to 20 years before that, you guys were probably still well paid for. What for what you were at the time, and like now it's astronomical in comparison. The motivation is completely different because you're talking about players who who could be set for life on the contract before they've kicked professional ball in the first team, and that that completely changes incentives and motivations. And I'm not talking about young players per se. I'm talking about Tenog's the dressing room that he's got to deal with and their motivations and their egos and all the entourage that come with all the players now, that it's a, it's a different animal to manage. And um, it's all right backing him, and they are doing, and that's great. But like you said, it's kind of like, you know, he's got to see results, and that's difficult when you've got a, a, you know, a dressing room that's revolting because there's so many players. That's like seven or eight players we're talking about who perhaps don't have the best relationship. And then there are like probably six or seven who haven't even come forward yet. You know, like, for example, you wouldn't have even thought, I don't think you would have thought that Sancho would have had a problem with Tenog until the start of this season. You know, you would have just thought he's a player on the edge of the team and he's fighting and the club have let him go away and then he's come back and... Uh, that they've given him a chance. You wouldn't have thought necessarily that he's got a problem with a manager. And now it looks like he does. You know what I mean? There's, there might be three or four players like that who, who we haven't heard of. And I don't, I'm not speculating like end times are coming. What I'm saying is there might be other issues like that. And I don't know if everything being a hard line all the time is the best thing. You know, if it, if it looks better that every single time that player's been banished for a certain period of time. And I, you know, it's good to see discipline, good to see direction. And maybe 
maybe the answer is maybe you're going to say to me, yeah, but that's that's the issue, and it needs that rot to be gone. So however long it needs, it's like the note step. Do you know what I mean? You just keep persisting with the notice step until kids learn how to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Is that the issue, or is it is it a case at some point down the line if there's another disciplinary issue that you know technology is going to have to change back a little bit because you know banishing all the players and keeping them out of the side is it's all well and good, but we've seen with Maguire and other players, even Ronaldo last season when Ronaldo was originally banished away. He was brought back in, and he was even made captain after he sort of, you know, thrown the toys out of the pram. So, I've rambled a bit there, Lee, as I tend to. You know the point I'm making. Do you think? Do you think that overall, it's a good thing that he continues with this hard line, or do you think that sooner or later he's going to need need a different approach? I think, listening to what you said, Wayne, I think you've hit the nail on the head when you started uh, rhyming off probably eight, nine, ten players. Well, you know, over the the short period that he's been here, which which has been, we, we, it's very public uh, that we know that there's problems. Every time there is a problem, years ago it used to always be kept in house. You didn't know about these problems, but nowadays with social media and the you know the players now they've got these platforms where you know they have PR people saying things, they say things themselves. Everything's out in the open, uh, and it seems it seems to be if anything goes on now, it can't be kept behind closed doors. It seems like a journalist gets hold of it or a platform gets hold of it. Um, don't get me wrong, 20 years ago, there was, there was still disciplinary actions going on, what probably no one ever knew about. You know what I mean? It's just, as as the times have gone on and, and there's, a, there's a lot more transparency what's happening within a club now. What, if you remember probably 20, 30 years ago, you didn't have a clue what was going on inside of a club. All you had yeah. a clue what was, was what was going on on the pitch and what weren't, and, and that was it. Um, the, the press now, they, they're pushing the manager for, for answers all the time, and not just Ten Hag, but that's just... just in general, then, I mean, imagine pushing Sir Alex Ferguson too much to ask him a question what he didn't want to answer. He was, he would have never answered it. It would have, it's none of their business yeah. at the end of the day. It's, it's an internal because that's what football used to be. It used to, it, you know, it used, it used to be a a, a game. Uh, things got dealt with with internal within the club, um, and it got moved on. You know, whether it was a fine, a match, a couple of match ban, training with the resis, you know, it it it, it got happened. They they served what. They thought was the punishment and the attitude that day that then back that day was they come back fighting and we prove to the manager or whoever's given us the disciplinary that you know they was wrong. But the only way you prove that is by by showing what you can do on a football pitch. Um, yeah. I would never ever have thought if if I mean as look at it, I never never had a bad word against my officer Alex Ferguson. But I'm pretty sure if I did or he gave me a clip on the ear roll for something uh I would have kept it to myself, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been answering back. You know what I mean? But like I say again, I think that comes back to level of respect, um, what, what we all had back then. But like I say, Alex Ferguson was even when I was there, he was still a legend at the club. He earned that respect for doing what he'd done and winning what he'd winning and producing the teams and the young lads what he produced. So it's it, it's kind of I think he's caught in between a little bit of a, a rock and a hard place tonight at the moment because, like I say, he's, he's trying to install this discipline uh, and this infrastructure, which we've all said for years is, is, has been needed. Um, back in the days when we was watching Pogba and Lingard, you know, the day after a match, dancing in the dressing room when we've been humiliated off Liverpool or one of our main rivals. Mm. And, we, you know, so I, I do get it. I do get that the ethos had to change. Um, but like I say, I, I, I do understand too, if, if it's going to be so public and it's going to be happening 
which seems to be on a weekly basis, and it seems to be Man United all the time. You know what I mean? And it seems it seems to escalate when it's Man United than any other club. Um, yeah. And it, it just seems to be a, one crisis after another at the moment. And I do get it. When does it stop? But you can't. For me, you can't let the players have the power. The, the power's got to be with the with the club and with the management. Yeah, I, I think that that's a disappointing thing for me with with Sancho. I mean. All right, even if you thought that he'd been disrespected or, or something had been made public that he didn't think could be, should have been made public, there are ways and means to go about it. And he, he made this public and he's the one dragging it on where the club have tried to sort of... You can tell by the steps that's been taken that the club have tried to sort of keep it within, you know, keep a lid on it as much as possible because of Sancho's actions and they've been so forced, you know, been forced to sort of make this statement to say that, you know, because obviously if he wasn't in the squad tomorrow, or well, he's not going to be in the squad, but if he wasn't and the, kid, the club had kept quiet, the noise would have started up again. So he's it, kind of, I think that's dis- the disappointing thing for really is that, you know, he's he knows that the trauma, like you, you said, you know, there when there was noise around the club, the thing that everyone tried to do back in the day was keep the noise down. Do you know what I mean? Silence it, just get on with business as usual. And whereas I don't think some of these players are doing that, I think they're quite happy to amplify it. And United, that's the last thing that we need. And I think if you, I don't know, I don't know because I don't know Jaden Sancho, Sancho personally. And, you know, it might just be engineering a move or something. It might be deeply unhappy. There might be any number of reasons why. And I, I don't want to speculate on those. I just think you've been at United for a couple of years. You know the way that they operate. And if you're in tune with what United, in the direction that United is supposed to be going, you're singing from the M sheet that United is supposed to be going. And you want to be a legend at the club and you want to be remembered as someone who wins trophies. And your conduct is not this way. And it's, that's what's disappointing for me. You know that because everyone's pulling in that direction. Um, but <laughs> I think Wayne, uh, just 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 so I don't forget what what my point is, because I think it, it's actually it's just come to me, and I think it's actually a very good point. Um, when you look at the teams when I was playing, and you know the team I was trying to get into, um, and uh, you know it was it was it was the team what you'd never win anything with kids team, wasn't it? You know what I mean? The lads have grown up there, um, growing up there. You got you got the the actual loyalty value uh, of being there for years and knowing what the club was. Uh, Playing for the badge, playing for the club, playing for the fans—you know—that come that that got drummed into to me at a young age from being nine year old. I was there at nine till twenty-one, nearly twenty-two, and everything was about the club, not the individual. Um, I think nowadays that's that's got lost a hell of a lot. So I think uh, we was we felt a loyalty towards the club because that's how we've grown up and that's what we got drummed into. As I feel now, the, the like I say, Jaden's only been there. You know, a matter a matter of a few years, and that not just Jaden, but a lot of other these these guys who come for for big prices. They've no loyalty. You know, that Man United doesn't run through the blood. They, you know, give them. Like, you offer ninety percent of them the contracts which Saudi Arabia are offering, and say you can either stay at Man United on your, you know, seventy, eighty, ninety grand a week, or you can go there for half a million a week. They're all getting on the bike and going there for half a million a week all day long because they've no loyalty to the club. Now you'd have asked probably. You know, growing up, a lot more or less any of my team, or they probably the team with Scholes Ian and Gaz Neville and Wes Brown and you know John O'Shea and people like that, because of what we have, the affinity we have for the club, 
We would have stayed at the club because it was Man United. We didn't want to go and play for a club, but no one heard of him made millions. We were still on good money. They, might, they weren't about the money. It was about the club and football first. The money comes second. Nowadays, the money comes first and your reputation. And, and I think that's I think that's how it is now. Yeah. Um, it's funny in a way because I, I, I do agree. It's probably the dysfunction of the club over the last few years as well that has probably put those players... I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's still a harsh spotlight. And sometimes those players... Like Maguire is a great case in point considering like his bum came out and said something earlier. And I, I'm not here to like pick that out. I think, you know, that's the pressure that those families are under. I can see why she did it and uh, I feel a lot of sympathy. We've criticized on this podcast, but I don't think we've ever we've ever um been abusive about it. And when when it has been abusive, I think we've shown a lot of sympathy for that. But I think that's that's the spotlight. And I think where probably those players thinking we've been persecuted here just because she invited her underperforming. I, I do happen to think that's very, very unfair. I mean, the players are trying, mostly they've been trying the best and it's not their fault if they're, they're not quite good enough. And, you know, if it's time for them to move on and everything like that, then fair enough. I, you know, it's, it's just, a, I, I do wonder, Lee, for me, um, if the worst thing that could happen for some of these players is um, the Qatari takeover, if that were to happen. Because if United are suddenly bankroll to the extent where these contracts don't really they're not really nooses in the same way that they seem to be at the moment then there'd be a lot of deadwood and a lot of players suddenly you know like who could be written off do you know what i mean and i i, I do wonder if like that would change a few attitudes in there or if it enables tenog to turn over the squad a lot more easily so that you know if a player is banished um, to to play with the youth team, and another player can come in and take the place. Then, in in three months, it's going to look embarrassing because you're not likely to be calling on that player again because you've got the, the turnover, you've got the available um, disposable to to bring in a player without worrying about writing off a sixty million asset in the same way that United. And don't get me wrong, it's more than one. I mean, any club would probably worry with having to struggle, you know, write off three or four. 16 million assets that United are having to do at the moment. It's really, really uh, tumultuous time. Um, Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And anyway, we've had a day on Sancho and Tenag with that. Um, tomorrow, Lee, Brighton, they're you're a team who, you know, I got a lot of stick taken out of me by Dave on, on Monday's pod because I, I think Brighton are the best team to watch in the league. I enjoy watching them. Probably more than I enjoy watching United play football, to be honest. In, in terms of pure football, um, and when they've come to Old Trafford, 
they've always given a good account of themselves in, in different ways. I mean, when they first came up, they were difficult to be. They, were, they weren't good to watch, but they were difficult to be. Um, over the, the years, they've been progressively better to watch in the last couple of seasons. Um, certainly in last season, they were unbelievable. They've started the season in, in similar fashion. They were defeated by West Ham, but they deserve to win the game. Really, what we're looking at is hoping to catch them on that vulnerability in the same way that West Ham are. But I mean, it, I don't know if it is. It's not really a backhanded compliment, really, because I expect Brighton to go to see him. I could ex- well, Brighton outplayed City at home last season. So, yeah, I expect Brighton can outplay any team in the league. So, by saying that they're going to come to Old Trafford and try and outplay us, I'm not really criticising United so much more than I am praising Brighton I just think that they're going to come they're, like, their attitude to these kind of games is that it's kind of like a free hit so they can play with that kind of liberation which is a sweet spot that Brighton are in at the moment it makes them a very tricky prospect to face tomorrow doesn't it? It does mate yeah um, Brighton I, t- I totally agree with you I think to what if you, if you was a neutral uh, a Man United were playing or Brighton were playing I'd probably, I'd probably watch Brighton because they play a more attractive football, you know, they they pass with a purpose. Uh, they're very forward thinking team. Um, very 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 well managed club uh, from the from the club and the manager. Um, and it's been a joy to watch Brighton grow. Like I say, from you know, just, I'm I'm pretty sure when they first got into the Premier League, it, survival was the you know the, the main hope. Um, was it Chris Uton? I'm, I'm not sure. Was it Chris Uton who brought yeah. up? Um, yeah. And it, it, you know, I'm, I'm presuming his job was was just to keep them up, uh, and then they moved on uh, with the managers and started playing more attractive football to the to the football team you see today. Uh, and they love it against against. They love, it, look, it looks to me as though they love being an underdog. They love playing against yeah. the you know the, the big the big teams. They always they're capable of causing an upset against anybody. Uh, and I don't think I don't mean that anybody in in the Premier League. I think they'd be capable on the day. Causing an upset against anyone in Europe, the, that that's yeah. I think they're really, really, really strong tied, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for us. Um, we're going to have to be, you know, on definitely on top of our game. Uh, it's hard again because we have found out today. I'm I'm pretty sure Amrabat's not available. I was really, really looking forward to to watching Amrabat. I had my little team sorted out, thinking, oh, that's a strong, strong starting eleven, and. What about this and what about that? And then a couple of hours before the podcast, it's completely through me uh, because he's not available. So it's uh, cut me head right up, to be honest with you. But, I mean, they've got rid... You think with a team like Brighton, and, and to an extent, and, and I know it, the, the miles off, but when Wigan Athletic used to be in the uh, in the Premier League, um, if they would have kept hold of the players uh, who they sold off, they would have, you know, they, I, I still believe, and, and they would have had the backing and the money they still would have been in the Premier League now. Um, Brad, what what Wigan did, they they sold their best players, um, i.e. a fantastic right back to Man United, uh, <laughs> and they didn't replace them. Uh, unfortunately, that's what happened, and it we, we nearly went bust. What Brighton do really really well, they must have some of the best scouts in the world because they seem to offload some of some of the best players, or if not the best players. And you think, right, they're going to start taking a backward step and they seem to always find another talent from somewhere which they pay peanuts for who turns out to be an absolute world beater. They like to say Mitoma, for example, is a, a, a massive example. Yeah. Never even heard of the guy. Uh, he's come in and done exceedingly well. Um, 
Evan Ferguson now he's got an hat trick against Newcastle last week. Um, looks like he's he could be a right prospect. Hopefully for for us if he carries on the way he's he's, yeah. he's performing. You know, Lewis Dunkey played in the centre back for England. Um, looked like he'd played there fifty times. It didn't look like it was only his second appearance. They've got some really really good players, um, but they also look like they play for each other. You know, they're they're, they're a strong team, um, and when you look at them as a team compared to us as a team, I think as an overall team and an overall squad uh, attitude and everything like that, I think they're probably, they probably edge us. Um, the one thing I would say was over the years, they've always been, you know, they've always been a lot, a lot of the times when I've seen Brighton, the better team, but always got pit by, you know, a goalie or there because they've either not took the chances or the defence has let them down a little bit. Uh, but even that now, the gap seems to be closing with the defence. They seem to be coming a lot more compact and a lot more structured. Um, so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be really really hard um, to get a result. But we're at home. Um, I don't like doing this, but if you look at the names we've got compared to names where they've got, we should we should have enough to to you know to to get by. But we've seen what happened last year. You can't go on names. Got to go on form, and it's it's going to be a, a hell of an hard game to uh, to tackle. So yeah. it's, it's it's an hard one, mate. It's an hard one for me. But if if we get back to form um, and if we start playing like an old, well, we should be able to play. Then we should we should be able to get something from the game. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those that, um, and this is the key game for for the point that United have to really match the work rate of a team like Brighton. That's the minimum thing that we're going to need to do. And this is a perfect game for that because Brighton works so hard for each other. Um, like I said, you know, they're, they're, they're so adventurous as well. Um, and they're not going to have any fear. They've had some good results at Old Trafford. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing. I, I'm completely with you on Ferguson. I, I love him. I think he's fantastic. He reminds me. The the fearlessness of Wayne Rooney a little bit. He's got a bit of that tigerishness around him. I think that the point is, and you made the point earlier, but just to make it a different way, you want to sign Evan Ferguson, but you also want to sign the player that Brighton are going to sign to replace him. That's what you want to do. You want to be watching what they're doing. We, we, we want we want to sign Brighton scout. That's what we want to sign more than anything. Just sign just sign the top scout, and we'll be we'll be fine, mate. I tell you. Um, yeah. It's 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 a, what I've been thinking, Wayne. Is is how, how do we go about the game as a team? You know, I I, I say I had it all set out with Amrabat and Casemiro. Um, but go on then. What's, an... what's your eleven then? So we we did this on Monday's pod, and we I think all of us said Amrabat in there. So what would you go with with your eleven? So my eleven was going to be Wambasaka uh, at right back. Uh, I think Lindelof and Martinez are both fit to start the game. I think yeah. he's confirmed that today. So I'd go with that. Um, I think I would give Regulon a chance at left back, um, and the only reason I'm, I'm saying that is I'm not a fan of the shoe warning thing. What we do, um, and obviously Dallo's done okay at left back. Don't get me wrong, but I'd much rather to be a complete left back playing the than shoe warning a right back in there. That if that makes sense, I think if you've yeah. got if you've got Regulon and Rashford over on the left, or you've got Dallo and Rashford over on the left, you're going to have two right-footed players, not a naturally left-footed player. Um, although, obviously, Rashford has got a cracking left foot on him, don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's not his natural foot, is it? 
So it, it's going to be step. You naturally want to step in if you're playing on the other side, like Anthony does. But Anthony just refuses to use his right foot anyway. But if they're going to, you've got to balance it out for me. So I, I think you've got to give Regulon start up at the left. Um, I did have Casemiro, uh, Amrabat, and believe it or not, I went with Ericsson too uh, as a three, uh, and I went with. Bloody hell, did I go with no Bruno on the right? I had to think about that one then. I thought I was saying it wrong. Bruno on the right, um, Rashford on the left, uh, as, as, a, as a three, and Hoyland uh, up front in, in the centre forward position. Uh, and I had to think long and hard about that because I like the lad Palistra. Um, yeah. he, he looks like uh, he could be a, a really good player. I've, I've liked his cameos when he's come on. Um, the lad at right back. For sorry, at left back, sorry, for Brighton. Is it Esther Pinion? I think so. Yeah, uh, he's a, a, yeah. a seems like a real, a real good, good left back. Uh, what I've seen of him, he seems like a good lad. Uh, I'm not sure if it would be the game to put police three in, and I'm all for giving young lads a chance. I, I am massively for giving young lads a chance, but I feel like what we could do is start with Bruno out there with some experience. Um, He's got a great delivery on him, Bruno. Um, and I think the compromise comes where I can't see Bruno really taking taking his opinion on and getting round the back and crossing. But I can see him getting some nice early crosses in for Hoyland to feed off. And hopefully if Rashford does that on the other side, I think that's what we need. Um, and if it doesn't work out after 60 minutes, maybe bring Bruno, take Ericsson off. Because Ericsson is a, is a creator, he's a fantastic creator. If we would have had Amrabat and Casemiro covering him, we could have given him a little bit more of a free roll to create them chances. Um, but if it doesn't work out, you could always bring Ericsson off after 60 minutes, bring Bruno back into the centre and then bring Police John and give him half an hour and see if we can change the game that way. That was my thinking around what I'd do. But obviously with, with Amrabat not being available now, I've gone for, I think, and I, I'm only going off his international... Um, the way he's been playing for Scotland, I think they might be McTominay. Uh, I think that might be one word. They might be McTominay in um, with with Casemiro uh, and with Bruno and play Pellistri on the right. I think that's what they might do. Just because I'm about to. Yeah, interesting dilemma. Um, that's one of the things that we talked about on Monday with all the with the shapes, um, you know, possible. Relationships and everything like that, but you know, Ten Hag has stuck with this four-three-three. He's been so religious with it um, for the entire time, so you can't really imagine shifting. Even though, like you said, you know, the options on the right now is Palestri or or Bruno. Bruno hasn't really been. Don't, don't get me wrong. When he's when he's been on the ball, there's still there are a few people who can create in our team like he can create, but. It can get lost out there sometimes, and if he gets lost and he's a bit of a rash player, and I mean that you know for, for his good and his bad. But if you have, if you're not getting the ball to him, and when you do get the ball, he's making rash decisions and loses the ball, then you, you're really struggling to get the best out of him, um, and it's not really the best use of him. So it's going to be interesting tomorrow because because of all those things that you mentioned, you knew you do need that work rate in the midfield, and maybe that is. You know, Tom and Casemiro in there. 
the, the, that's, the, that, that's the massive point is the work rate and what what I've said for the last two or three three podcasts we've been on is we look like we've been overrun in the central midfield of every team we've played um, and obviously if we've got Everton in the with the with, with Casemiro we've we've not got much speed where I'm not saying Matt Tominay is a, a, a speed master or a speed demon but it will give you that box to box a bit more than, than Everton will do you know what I mean and he's been playing well he, he's been playing well give players a chance when they're when they're on form. Um just before we close off we we've got Bayern Munich away next week and uh, kick off the Champions League group. What do you make of that? I mean they also are gonna the the, the groups are word works differently this year. So normally you would play the return game second to last, but I think this is the return game is the last game so we're gonna play all the other games in between. Um so that means that if you write off the games against Bayern, you've got to pick up nine or twelve points from from all of the the games in between, which means trying to get a point or all three in Turkey. Um, what do, what do you make of? Is it a good thing? I mean, we talked about this on Monday's pod, and Paul and Dave seemed to think it was a good thing that we're playing Bayern first, get them out. You know, like Bayern haven't yet. All right, they're um got Kane and the scoring goals, but defensively they look suspect and, and they were Paul was he made a great point about German football and club football, you know, mirror mirroring the same kind of thing. So when the German national team is struggling, the Bayern seem to struggle as well and people sort of remember the five one with England and the sort of reinvention that German football had to take after that. And obviously Japan humiliated Germany the other the other day and you know Bayern play a high line United have pace in the team um, I'm not saying Bayern don't have pace they do have pace but it, it's an area that they could exploit do you, is it a good time to play them away would you rather get them first out of the way yeah I think listening to what you're saying I probably agree with Paul uh, and with Dave yeah, yeah bring them on uh, I think I think what United's been uh, what, what what they've done in the in the past is, is they play if this makes sense I'm trying to think how to word it they play a club by the reputation, if that makes sense. They don't play the actual team what's put in front of them and the team what's on form. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not the Man United and Bayern game of years gone by. Let's be honest, we're, we're not the same, the, the, the squad, um, like we were 20 years ago and, and, and Bayern certainly are, you know. Um, so I think if, if we go out and, and don't play the club's reputation, we just play the game, I think we could potentially, you know, we've nothing to worry about. Um as as opposed to Galatasaray and Copenhagen, it going any any top club over in Turkey is, is an ask just because of the atmosphere alone. You know what I mean? You have to have some minerals to go over there and perform um, with, with with them with that that atmosphere and that negativity towards you. You know, um, so it's, it's it's a tricky group, but it's not a group that we should fear. I don't think. I think we're probably between us and Bayern, we're probably you know the, the two best teams in there, and I don't think we've, we've much to fear. Um, we've obviously got to watch Abby Kane. We know what he's capable of. He's, he's, he's an immense, immense striker. He's scoring. He's scored five or six goals now over there already. Uh, yeah. But we've played against him throughout the years for Tottenham, you know, and we've managed him. And don't be scared of one player. Um, I don't. I don't think we've much to fear, mate. Copenhagen again. We should have plenty enough to beat them, but they could be a potential banana skin. We can't take them lightly. Um, but I'd be dis- I, I would be disappointed if we didn't get out of that group stage. I think we've got enough. Enough. We just need to whip form, Wayne. For me, we just need to 
to get a run of games now where we, we start it in form. And like I said last week on the podcast, I think we're struggling more because of the injury side of things than anything else. Um, where we're not, we're just not building them relationships. So hopefully, when we we can start, we can start with a an identity as a team, an identity as a formation, uh, and hopefully keep 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 the main guys off the injury table. Um, we'll, we'll start to come good with a bit of luck. Yeah, um, I got a lot of stick on, on socials because I posted my negative start of that we haven't won a game in Bayern ever. I don't think and. We haven't even scored a goal at Galatasaray or Copenhagen. That's only three games, and, and records are there to be broken and, and to change. It's not really strong enough to even call it a record. You know, we're bound to surely going to score in one of those, um, at least one of those away games. So, I'm with you. I think if you if you look at a Champions League group before it's old, and, and you know you're going to definitely get a top team in there. United's coefficient status, the way that we've been the last 10 years, it's not as bad as it could be. You're obviously going to have at least one or two very tricky away ties. Um, European football isn't what it was, but Manchester United aren't what we were either. And, you know, it's all about sort of, you know, it's like the Premier League this season in a way, you know, don't expect to win it, but it'll be a test to see how far we are from where we need to be. And that's kind of like a process for the season, isn't it? Really, you know, how far away are we? And like a park, like a park bus waiting for that takeover, and then see what we can do to kick on from that moment. Because that seems what everything is geared towards. He's just waiting for that moment where we can kick on, and hoping that the bad stuff that is played in the club is sort of sorted by the time that those things are put in place, so that we can sort of kind of move move away from all that. So, I mean, United or United, you know, um, much better than I do that, you know, drama's always there either, either even in good times, drama will always be there. But, um, you know, hopefully we're getting that sort of more than our fair share of, of the bad stuff out of the way before before the good stuff starts coming in. And I'm, um, I'm not as convinced as you that we can qualify from the group. Primarily because of our form in away games, you know, it's pretty tricky and I'm fairly confident we could get two home wins from that group. But ask me if I'm confident of getting two two wins from the other four games. No, I'm not completely confident. So it's it's a tough one. We'll see. Um, we will be back anyway. Um, it's a fairly shorter one than than usual this week. Won't be back next week because I've got. Um, Nephew's birthday, I've got to sort of sort out. Um, I'm, 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 I'm climbing Snowden next week. I'm going to attempt it again. We we, fit, we failed miserably, me and my daughter, last time because of the weather. So we're back up at Snowden next week. So I'll come do it anyway. <laughs> really? Yeah. There you go. That's, are you going to keep updated on your progress? Then you're going to be we, we, we got three quarters of the way last time and had to come back down because of the weather. So hopefully this time we'll uh, we'll get to the top with a bit of luck. Well, follow Lee on his socials. You'll definitely be posting about that. Lee, what, what is he? Is he Lee, he's Lee Lozzy on Lee Lozzy eighty four on Twitter. It's um, and Lee Lawrence eighty four on Instagram. I think so. I'm not sure, mate. Me and social media, as you as you well know, don't go very well. <laughs> Lee Lee Lawrence nineteen eighty four on on Instagram. No, I'm really using him on there to, to plug it. So yeah, follow him on there because. It, you know, Lee's definitely 
sporting family and you know perseverance is definitely something that Lee's known for. So let's so hope that um, he get up there all the way. Uh, we'll be following him. Um, we won't be doing it on this podcast because we won't be here next week. Um, thanks a lot for, for watching. I really appreciate that. Um, have a great weekend. And yeah, if you've watched us, please like and subscribe and leave a comment. If you're watching the replay and we'll comment a replay um, reply on the comments. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, if you leave us a subscription and a review on the platform you're listening on, would very much appreciate that. Have a great weekend. United win. Hope for an uneventful fortnight by the time that we catch up with Lee and Phil again. Have a good one. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.